Hello and welcome to my sixth week in media. Now this is my seventh ever podcast, but it is my sixth week in media. And if you do not understand that, that is because the born episode, which technically doesn't count as part of the my week in media, is already out. And you can check that out right now. That is a special in which I review every single Bourne film leading up to Jason Bourne. And if you want to listen to my Jason Bourne review, you can also listen to last week's podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to plug now. I feel like a genuine radio presenter with the amount of plugs and uh, and things I can do now. And not only that, talking about plugging, I'm now also on iTunes. I mean, that to me is insane. I've managed to get a podcast on iTunes. Yes, they're not all on there yet, and I'm working on that as we speak. Well, not as we speak. I'm recording this as we speak. But I am working on getting everything on iTunes and getting everything off SoundCloud and onto YouTube. Now, James Beecroft, who made my uh, logo... Has also made me a banner and a new profile picture for YouTube, and it looks insane, and I absolutely love it. And I think when everything gets put on YouTube, it's going to be great. Also, uh, a little—I uh, don't want to say Easter egg—and again, I'm making it out like I've got some like multi-million-pound franchise, and this is like on the Blu-ray. It's not an Easter egg, but um, there is a little thing on my YouTube channel which says that I will be starting to do videos soon. And I really want to be able to actually start doing videos. People like Chris Stuckman and Jeremy uh, Johns and loads of other movie reviewers on YouTube have really like inspired me to do this. And I really have always kind of wanted to be on YouTube, but I've never found the right outlet. And I think videos like Chris Stuckman are my forte. I already have a really cool background. Um, if you've been to my house before, you will know that I have like a series of nerdy shelves. And I think that will look great on the back as a background. Um, and yeah, that is something that I'm going to be moving into in the future. So there's always things to update. So this episode, while doesn't actually feature anything new, um, I'm now on iTunes. And I think that's a, a huge thing for me. Having been on iTunes is great. And I will try and sort everything out so everything's fixed and everything's on YouTube. And this will probably go up as the first video on YouTube, even though it shouldn't. And I might not. I'm thinking about this on the spot as I speak, which is not a good way of doing things. But anyway, today I am reviewing Buried, 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 whatever you want to call it. I've mixed and matched it in my review. I have already reviewed this before I have actually filmed this because it is the most intense 10-minute review I think I've ever done. And uh, I don't think there was a way I could have reviewed it. with. I don't think I could have done this serious interview, interview and intro without... And then still have the same effect on my buried review. So um, it is a very intense 10 minutes. I just realised, and when I listen back to it, you know, it's probably not going to fit in with the rest of the podcast, but it, it entertained me. And I am very, very passionate about that film. And that's a really fun review. I also uh, reviewed Batman versus Superman uh, because also came out this week. Came out, coming out this week was. Also, a film that came out this week was Suicide Squad. I'm telling you now, this is going to get better as it goes on, I promise. Uh, it was Suicide Squad. I went to go see that at midnight, and I will give you my thoughts and score on that. So, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, and Buried. Buried, Buried, again, sorry. Um, and last but not least, I also watched a really, really good BBC drama called Happy Valley, which is on Netflix now, and uh, I'm going to be reviewing that as well. So, I hope you enjoy... Well, you're about to listen to a solid 10-minute rant of the most passionate review ever for for a film about a man in a box. This is my review on Buried, Buried, Buried. Enjoy. Wait, 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 wait,
this morning. I need more time. I'm begging you. Let me out of here. I promise you I will get you the money. No, 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 no. Nah. Nah, this film. Honestly. Honestly, I cannot deal with how good, how intense, how insane, and how broken this film has made me. Now, I'm recording this literally about two minutes after watching the very end. Uh, and I haven't, even, I haven't even done the intro to this. So the intro is going to be very calm compared to my very extremely panicked, distraught, horrified, broken distraught, broken, horrified self that I am at the moment. This film is the most intense 95 minutes of my entire life. Not only that, the the ending, if, you, if you've seen Buried, hopefully, hopefully you know what, I, what I'm on about, and, and, and hopefully you get the panic and stress and, and horrificness that I am now in, because my god, my god, I have just lobbed all of my stuff at the wall because I cannot handle how insane this film was. I, I was literally shouting at the screen, and it takes a hell of a lot for me to do that in a film. Now, slight rant over, because I'm, I'm, I'm still scarred from this film, like horrifically scarred from how good, intense, and brutal this film was. Now, if you don't know what Buried is, Buried, 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 I'm going I'm to say Buried, and it's probably going to annoy loads of people loads, so I'm going to try and say Buried as much as I can. It is a film directed by Rodrigo Cortez, probably butchered that name, uh, and it stars Ryan Reynolds. It doesn't really star anyone else. Well, physically, it does not star anyone else. It stars the voices of a few other people, but uh, but no, it's literally just Ryan Reynolds, and I think that's what makes this film amazing, because Ryan Reynolds is one of those people that is absolutely lovable, and no matter when he's on screen, he has this electric feel about him. He, there's always something about him, and even in films that, that aren't actually very good, he seems to have this entertaining pull that you can always watch him and always be like enthralled by him. And that's probably why uh, films like Deadpool works really well, and why, personally, even though it's slated by literally the world, I actually quite enjoy the Green Lantern movie, because I think Ryan Reynolds works really well in it. Even though he himself hates the Green Lantern movie, I still really like him. It's another reason why I like films like The Voices. And a couple of other Ryan Reynolds films. I feel like he has this energy that I really like. And I, he has this style that I really like. And he's really, really funny as a guy. I'm really panicked and I'm talking really fast. And I'm really like trying to get out there. Because I'm still broken by this film. It is so good. So, so good. And like it, halfway through I was like, you know, this film's really, really interesting. And really, really gripping. And it just gets better and better and better and better and better. Now, the film is about Paul Conroy. Paul Conroy is a... That's actually, no. I'm not going to say explain any of it. I think the joy is explaining the whole plot. Well, not explaining the whole plot. The joy is watching the film. I knew nothing about this film. And I think that is what makes it the best thing ever. You don't, I, I didn't know anything. I knew All I knew was Ryan Reynolds is in a coffin. I didn't know his name. I've just told you his name. His name's Paul Conroy. Not a spoiler at all. But, um... Yeah, the best thing about going into this film is going into it knowing absolutely nothing at all. Don't watch any trailers, don't watch anything. I must have seen trailers years ago, but I did not know, I could not remember anything when watching this film. And that was probably the best thing for me. I knew nothing, and every every turn, twist, and everything that happened entertained me and, and blew me away, really, with how inventive they were. You see, there is another film like this, even though I'm pretty confident... The film that I'm about to talk about came out after this, but I saw it before it, and it's called Lock, and it stars Tom Hardy, and he is in the car the entire time, and he never leaves the car, and as he's driving to this location, or wherever he's driving to, he uh, his life slowly falls apart by different phone calls, and um, it was fantastic, it was insane. The voice casting that was also insane, they had like Olivia Colman and uh, Andrew Scott, and a variety of different people, and that worked really, really well. And Tom Hardy was obviously fantastic. And the camera never left the car. It was a premise that I absolutely loved and really, really, you know, kept me engrossed considering it never left the car. This was probably what inspired the film, unless this is inspired off something else. Uh, as someone who hasn't seen any other films like this, be, like have come out before this, you know, it, it's, it's quite new to me. And the camera never leaves the box. Paul Conroy is buried in a box underground. And he's trying to figure out why, how, and how to get out. That's 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 what I'm going to describe as the plot. He has some things in the box. Um, 
so he's not just literally like left in a box and the box like he, he does his, he has his, he has a lighter and uh, he, he has his phone or a phone and uh, he has a couple of things so there is things going on but the majority of the film takes place well not the majority of the film all the film takes place inside the box but it's mostly like conversations between him and other people on the phone and him trying to get get himself out of this box now plot wise it goes in insane places and it cannot keep you more entertained and entwined and i'm trying to think of more words for engrossed because it's just it keeps you so on edge and so invested in this film and so you just cannot keep your eyes on this film and i consider the film the camera never leaves the box at all you are constantly in the confines of this tiny tiny box and it is so intense and and hard to watch at times. I'm like horrifically claustrophobic, really, really claustrophobic. I I struggle. I can't breathe at all, and it genuinely made me feel claustrophobic. This film made me feel like, oh my god, I can't watch because I really hate being in small spaces. And the the way it's filmed, the genius way it's filmed, kept it me feeling like I was on edge and like I couldn't breathe and like I was in this box with him. And it never felt like he had any space. The very, very close camera shots. The use of different camera shots. This film is incredibly well shot, considering the space they had to work in is ridiculous. How they make a film this well shot in a small box without ever leaving the box, I will never know. Some films, like the BFG, can't even get well shot films when they have an entire world to use. This film had a box, and it blew me away with its cinematography. The cast, the voice cast, are fantastic. Ryan Reynolds, best performance I've ever seen from Ryan Reynolds. He was so engrossed in this role. I'm using the same words because I'm that passionate about this film and genuinely feeling really passionate about how amazing this film is. And having Ryan Reynolds constantly admit this fear and, and the heavy breathing and the fear of, the feeling of claustrophobia, it reminds me of, I recently watched The Walk and how that kind of... I also have a crippling fear of heights. I'm quite scared of a lot of things. But um, it, that, again, made me feel like I was on the roof. And, like, it was it's hard to watch. Another film that was really hard to watch for someone with a fear like that. And the fact that a film can, in, like, in, can give me this fear. I can't think of the word there. But the fact that in, in, in illicit, 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 this fear is insane. I'm not even in the box. I'm in a perfectly big room, and yet I felt claustrophobic. And that is the amazingness of transporting you into film, and it's why I love film like this. This is what film is all about for me. Being transported into this other world and being, you know, in somewhere that you wouldn't be. And I felt like I was in this other world. I felt like everything that happened to him, I, I, it felt like it hit me as well. You know, he's, he can't breathe. I feel like I can't breathe. He He's on the phone and he's like crying his eyes out. And I felt like crying my eyes out myself. I felt for this character. I felt everything that he felt and it all felt real. Everything about this film felt real. It felt like relatable in a very, very strange way. The plot never gets stupid. Everything in it seems plausible for what is happening to him. The actual ending is insane. It's so good. <laughs> And it surprises you. There's twists and turns and twists and turns and more and more and more. And there is no way you cannot watch this film and not just be enthralled by what's happening. The budget for this film was so small and it was used so well. The cast was used so well. The use of camera was used so well. The script was so realistic. And it could have all been improvised because that, I don't even know how... How that? How a film that is set in a box, not even like at least Locke was set on a motorway in a car, and I mean there is more things to look at. He's in a box, and I could not have taken my eyes off the screen. Honestly, this film got better and better and better and better, and by the end I was throwing things at the wall and screaming at the TV. It is one of the best thrillers. One of the best B-movie thrillers, because this, this is no way like a Hollywood blockbuster, this is a B-movie, and it's the best B-movie I have seen in years, and, you know, I do go on about, and I do over-exaggerate everything, and I do get really passionate about things, and give a lot of things 5 stars and 10 out of 10s, when maybe they don't deserve things, but honestly, I, I, I cannot, I, I'm so shocked... And, and, and gobsmacked by this, and you can, I, I hope you can tell by how passionate I am in this, and, and how, like, 
blown away I am because I literally watched this five minutes ago and I'm, I'm still reeling from from the horrific everything in this film. I, I'm genuinely in love with this film now and I will be showing it to as many different people as I can. It's just one of those films that I just want to watch people as they watch it and I love that. I love a film like that. I love films like this. This is why I love film and my god, my god, well played Rodrigo, well played, I'm obviously, with the rage and rant that I'm going to be on now, I'm obviously going to give this film five stars, watch this film, it's the best 95 minutes in a box I have ever seen, honestly, words cannot describe my emotions throughout this film, this was fantastic. <laughs> now I'm going to calm down a bit and review some other things. Men with power obey neither policy nor principle. No one is different. No one is neutral. If Superman were here, what would you want to say to him? That my family too had dreams. To look him in his eye and ask him how he decides which lives count and which ones do not. There's a new kind of mean in him. He is angry and he's hunting. I didn't kill those men if that's what they think. This is what makes you such a good reporter. Stuff like this still shocks you. I'm older now than my father ever was. This may be the only thing I do that matters. So falls the house of Wayne. God is all-powerful. He cannot be all good. The world only makes sense if you force it to. Men like that words don't stop him. You know what stops him? A fist. You are never a god. You are never even a man. That dream is all some people have. It's all that gives them hope. Now God is good. As dead. Man made a world where standing together is impossible. We will. We have to. So moving on from that quite passionate intense review, uh, we're going to move on to Batman vs Superman. Now I'm reviewing Batman vs Superman as Suicide Squad has literally just come out, and I watched it this week again before I saw Suicide Squad, so I'd be more refreshed and more, I would say, knowledged up. I have made that word up. I would be more up to date with the goings on in the DC Universe uh, movie things. And uh, I wasn't that fussed about seeing it again, to be fair. When I saw it in March, when it first came out, I think I saw it the day it came out, um, I was a bit disappointed. I agreed with most of the critics, however, I think the critics left some things out. Um, all my friends that I saw it with the night before I watched Suicide, before we watched Suicide Squad, uh, we all watched it together before Suicide Squad, and we all thought the same things. However, what I did notice is that I actually enjoyed this film more the second time around. Uh, I personally thought that the film improved on a lot of things that I didn't notice, and the Ultimate Edition fixes things that I didn't like as much. Now, uh, if you want Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition, you can buy it on Blu-ray and DVD now. In fact, I'm not actually sure the Ultimate Edition is on DVD. I think it might be a Blu-ray exclusive. If you don't know what that is, it's a half-an-hour alternate cut in which half an hour gets added on so there's deleted scenes mostly most of these deleted scenes however were put on youtube and they introduce more teasers well a few more scenes with like lex luther and introduces the villain steppenwolf um it's not really a spoiler as i say it's on youtube and it's not really explained very well either uh, who's most likely going to be the villain in justice league now if you haven't you know if you were contemplate if you've seen batman vs superman and you're contemplating buying the ultimate edition I would say it's an interesting watch, but would I say, you know, it's worth the £15 to go and watch again? Maybe not. It didn't add a lot to it, but, you know, just as a side note for the Ultimate Edition, I mean, it contains a lot of special features, and, you know, it tries really hard to give you a lot of things, and in a film that was kind of average to good, it kind of makes it a bit more good. It does not change the film to make it an amazing film at all, but it doesn't make the film any worse than it was and it does improve on a few things 
So, there's my little comment on the Ultimate Edition. Worth a watch, maybe not worth £15. If you see it come down for like 8 9 quid, probably pick it up because it's a uh, it's an interesting watch and it's nice to see some of the changes that they could have made. However, it does drag on for a bit considering it's on for three hours. Now, Batman vs Superman. Batman vs Superman is directed by Zack Snyder and is the second film in the planned DC Universe movies line. Um, this is going to include films like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, Justice League Part 1, Part 2, Green Lantern reboots, uh, Flash films, Batman solo Batman films, and loads and loads of other things. And it follows on from Man of Steel, and is technically Man of Steel 2, um, it's technically, but it also introduces Ben Affleck as Batman for the first time. So the cast is pretty much the same as um, Batman of Steel. So you've got Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Henry Cavill as Superman, um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne as the leader of the Daily Bugle, and a few other characters, while also bringing in new Batman characters like Ben Affleck um, as Batman, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and uh, just a couple of other people. Jesse Eisenberg plays the villain of the film, and um, he plays a pretty solid villain. He plays Lex Luthor, and that is pretty much the cast. There is also Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I was going to keep that secret, but none of the marketing did. And that was probably the biggest issue with this film, actually. Something that probably made me dislike this film a little bit was the marketing was abysmal. It showed everything in this film. I felt like I'd seen the film in all of its marketing beforehand. And it's something that Suicide Squad definitely improved upon, but there was no surprises. Everything came up in the film. I'm not going to say it, because if you haven't, if you're lucky enough to want to see this film and have not seen the trailers, I'm not going to spoil it here. Because some of the villains, some of the twists, loads of things did not need to be shown in the marketing, but they were. There was no need for them to show Wonder Woman at all. In fact, there was no need to even tell us Wonder Woman was in the film. But, of course, um, it's not a spoiler because it's literally on the front cover of the DVD. And that, for me, is just stupid. There were so many more twists and surprises they could have had. And as much as they kept on saying, oh, we haven't shown everything in the trailers, they pretty much had. There was nothing that surprised me in that film at all. Besides a couple of flashbacks. Well, not flashbacks. Just videos and a couple of uh, dream sequences. A couple of things. But even most of those were shown. It was ridiculous, in a way, and I, and I really wasn't a fan on that. So, the film is basically, Batman uh, isn't happy with what Superman's doing, and Superman wants to carry on doing what he's doing, so they end up fighting, and, as I said, if you haven't seen all the marketing, you're very lucky, and you may enjoy this film a lot more than I did the first time round, because I felt like I'd already seen everything. But, the actual plot goes in places that are alright, and it has some interesting messages. And there are a couple of scenes in the film in which the story really, really thrived for me. Um, scenes like the courthouse scene, I really, really liked. And it worked really well. I think the big fight between Batman and Superman, which is, I mean, it's not a spoiler, it's obvious that was going to happen. The film's called Batman versus Superman. So the fight between Batman versus Superman, I thought was really, really well done. However, the film made absolutely stupid, stupid decisions. Its use of Lex Luthor, I think, was underwhelming, and he kind of fizzled out. The use of story for... Well, no, that's not the right word. I think the way the, the situation was resolved... If you've seen the film, you'll know exactly what I'm on about here. The Batman vs Superman situation, the way it was resolved was so poorly done, and so just embarrassingly written, it was unbelievable. The, it's basically that Batman got confused, really. And I, I, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. It is genuinely ridiculous how they, uh, how they did that. But again, I'm focusing so much on the negatives here, when it's there's a lot of positives in this film. The cast, besides Amy Adams, is superb. It's, it's Ben Affleck as Batman really, really strikes me as a good Batman. As he's the best Bruce Wayne, I would say, out of any on-screen Batman. And while he doesn't ever reach the heights of Christian Bale, his Bruce Wayne is really, really interesting. And his Batman's very different. He, he's darker. He kills people. And while that does kind of beat the Batman code, and as a Batman fan, I'm kind of not in okay with that, 
he did work as ben, as 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 good Batman, and I really did like that. And he's probably the best thing about the film by far. Henry Cavill as Superman again works really really well. I liked him in Man of Steel. Uh, again, I wasn't a big fan of Man of Steel either, but uh, again. Henry Cavill was the best part of that. He plays a, an interesting Superman who has a strange moral code again, and I feel like the way his storyline went worked quite well. The entire third act of this film for me felt ridiculous and felt a bit over the top in not a good comic book way, in a bad comic book way, and I wasn't okay with that. And uh, the third act, even on the second or third time that I've watched this now, it still doesn't appeal to me. The actual, um, there is a scene though in this film, whilst I'm talking about the plot, in which Batman has to basically just take out a room full of people. And it felt so much like Batman, it was unreal. It felt like we had finally got the right on screen Batman. He's using gadgets, he's using his martial arts moves, he's using, I, I mean, he doesn't really have martial arts moves, but he's using, he's fighting people. He's hand to hand fighting people. He's not getting guns out like he does a couple of times in this film for some reason. He's disarming people's weapons. He's flying around the room and he's being Batman. And it was the most Batman I think I've ever felt during a film. Even Christian Bale didn't really have that Batman feel to him. And I really, really liked that. And it's probably one of my favourite scenes in the film. Because it was just done really, really well. Zack Snyder isn't a bad director in this film. And he makes some good choices. But I think there are so many bad choices he makes that it kind of, you know, overdoes the good. As I said, the cast besides Amy Adams, I thought Amy Adams was pretty abysmal in this film, and uh, not someone I would watch again, and I really was just desperate for a character to die. Uh, other than that, the cast though is really, really good. The music in this film is really good, and as I said, the storyline goes in places that I wasn't too happy with, and the Ultimate Edition doesn't really add enough things for me to justify a purchase. Um, I did purchase it, but it's for me to be happy with my purchase as such. And... It was a solid start to the DC Universe films. It is not something that I wanted it to be, but I was very, very sceptical of Ben Affleck as Batman, and to have watched this film and see Ben Affleck as Batman as the best part of this film made me quite happy. It opened up a lot of things that could have worked. It teases a lot of things that could be really interesting in the future. Its use of exposition was very, very poor. If you don't know what exposition is, uh, look it up. It's mostly just like explaining story really obviously. That's the, probably the easiest way for me to describe it. For example, Batman gets an email which sets up the Justice League film, and it was ridiculous. Why would Batman get? Why would Batman send emails? We, it's, it's just not Batman. That was one of the few things that annoyed me, and it, it just felt like it was missing something. And I don't. I disagree with the whole darkness thing. I actually really like the dark approach to superhero films, and maybe it could have had a bit more comedy in. But again, I don't think that was what let it down at all. The darkness of the film was not what let it down for me. I was never bored watching this film. But I was hoping for more than I was getting. So critics said, too dark, not a good story, and um, underwhelming use of marketing. I think marketing was poor. I think the storyline was relatively poor. I think the cast was great. But I also really kind of dug the dark tone. That was one of the things that I liked. On second watch and third watch, I did prefer this film more. I, I attached to the characters more, but the stupid decisions came out more evident than before. This film probably isn't as bad as all the critics are saying, but it's it's a disappointment for what could have been an amazing film. Leading up to Suicide Squad, I enjoyed watching it again, and I will watch it again probably at some point. But I'm going to give Batman vs Superman Three stars out of five. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. What are you really up to? Flag, it's a need to know. And all you need to know is you work for me. You need real soldiers, not these scumbags. Everyone has a weakness. And a weakness can be leveraged. That is just a mean lady. Yeah. We got a job to do. Light it up! Getting people to act against their own self-interest is 
That's what I do for a living. I'll accept the consequences. I am your consequence. They warned me about you. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Now, finally, onto the big release of the week. Now, as I said, there's only been one film released this week, and that is Suicide Squad. Now, I think Suicide Squad has been hyped up a lot. However, it suffered probably from the marketing campaign of hell. It was just, it was awful. Everything about this film had, well, actually, no. This film had a lot going for it, but its marketing campaign was pretty poor. Well, its poster campaign was amazing and has some of the best posters I've seen in a long time. Uh, I even have one on my door right now. If you haven't seen it, it's the uh, the cereal bowl one, and it was, I really like the poster. In fact, I like nearly all the posters that they've made for this film. But its trailer campaign was not good at all. It had several different trailers with several very, very different tones, and it was obvious that the critics were trying to respond to the tone of Batman vs Superman and the issues that people had with that. As I just said in my Batman vs Superman review, I actually quite liked the dark tone, and I would have actually much preferred this film to have a really dark tone as well. But it's obvious they had a lot of issues with uh, what the company wanted and had to change it a lot, and it's pretty self-explanatory as to why the $10 million they spent on reshoots um, was supposedly not for comedy, even though it was very obviously to add more comedy to this film, because they started reshoots literally about a week after everyone said Batman vs Superman's too dark. Now, Suicide Squad, for those who don't know, is basically a team of villains who have been forced to come together by having bombs stuck in the neck and forced to work for the government and destroy supernatural forces. They're basically a screwed-up version of the Justice League. However, they're forced to do their job. And it is made up of Will Smith as Deadshot, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, the army man who is in charge of uh, leading the team. That's who Rick Flagg is. If you don't know who Deadshot is, he's a super assassin. He's one of Batman's infamous villains. Harley Quinn, I'm assuming if you know anything about Batman, you know who Harley Quinn is. But if you don't, he is basically the Joker's partner. Um, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. He is basically a man with a boomerang. Cara Delvine as Enchantress. Uh, Jay Hernandez as El Diablo. Enchantress is a witch. El Diablo is a man who can control fire. Um, Karen Fukuhara. I have probably butchered that name. Uh, she plays Katana. She's basically some Chinese uh, ninja. There's no other way for me to say it. Slipknot. Uh, he's played by Adam Beach. And he's basically someone who can climb walls really well. And uh, Adi Wally. Akinoyui. Agbajay. He plays Killer Croc. I'm pretty confident I got that name spot on. But he plays Killer Croc, and that is the Suicide Squad. The Joker, even though he's quite clearly in all the trailers, is not in the Suicide Squad, and is kind of just a side character in the film. And I'll talk about the Joker a lot later on. Uh, the plot of this film is actually, besides the marketing campaign showing quite a lot of the film, hasn't really told you who the villain is, and for that reason I won't tell you who the villain is. All I will say is they are very underwhelming, and quite disappointing, and not someone who I would have expected to be the villain at all, and I was probably the most disappointing thing about this film was the villain. As I said, the plot is these people come together and are forced together by a woman called Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis, and she forces them to overtake this supernatural threat. And that's the plot of the film. As I said, this, the trailers haven't given away much of this story, um, which I quite liked. Now, Everyone is saying the first act of this film is the best, and then it gradually gets worse and worse. Now, personally, I quite liked the third act, but the first act is fantastic. It is exactly what I wanted in this film. It introduces all the cast in a very, very exposition-heavy way, but in a way that was really entertaining and really fun to watch. And it used, like, on-screen fonts, and I can't think of the word now, but it used on-screen wording and, and very, very clever CGI to make a really interesting dynamic and the way they introduced every character with like short flashbacks of the story felt really good and again as I said there was a scene in Batman vs Superman where Batman felt like Batman there is a Deadshot scene in this like how who like when they're explaining who Deadshot is which has Batman in slight spoiler but it's been revealed quite a while ago I mean it's literally in the first two minutes of the film and it felt like Batman. It felt like proper Batman again. 
and I really really liked that. Um, all the cast is to me really really good, and the thing that saved this film for me was the cast. While the plot may have been quite boring, and well not boring, but underwhelming, the actual cast made this film fantastic. I have no complaints with any of the cast except Cara Delvine as Enchantress. I really don't think she worked, and I, I really dislike her character, and uh, probably the worst part about this film by far. Actually, no, the villain was the worst part about this film by far, but Enchantress was equally as bad as the villain. Um, Amanda Waller, as the woman who started this, kind of had this, played by Viola Davis, had this like aura around her of being genuinely quite scary. She felt badass. And like the majority of villains in this, they felt like villains, and as much as the film tried to get you to like these villains, they still had that feeling that these were bad people. Now, all the cast, as I said, worked really, really well, and standouts are definitely um, Will Smith as Deadshot, Jay Hernandez as El Diablo, and I quite liked Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Those three, to me, were really, really good, and probably played their parts the best. This is Will Smith's best role in quite some time. Will Smith is now pretty bad. I can't name many really good Will Smith films of recent years, and for me, this worked really well. He plays the characters spot on for me. And, as I said, the plot doesn't go in places that I liked, but the cast and the cast interactions work really well. And I could honestly watch hours and hours and hours of this film because it, it worked. The dynamic worked really well. They have this amazing chemistry that I really, really liked. Now, the two that I have left are Jared Leto as the Joker and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Now... I'm going to... No, I'm just going to talk about them straight away. Now, Jared Leto as the Joker has been someone that is very, very, very hyped up. And people have been, you know, kind of on edge to see what Jared Leto is like. I mean, he's living up to some really, really good Jokers like uh, Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger. And I think people were very, you know, had very high expectations. And to me, I was quite disappointed. As a big, big Batman fan and as a big fan of the Joker as a character, I was quite disappointed with his portrayal of it. I think his laugh was laughable. It was it was bad. I think the way his character developed did improve, and the flashbacks worked very well, but the modern scenes just didn't seem right. He didn't feel like the Joker to me. He felt like a mob boss, and I don't think that is the feeling that he should have. He didn't have this eccentric feeling about him, and I was quite disappointed with that. Um, and he's also in it for like 10 minutes. Uh, he's not in this film at all. And if you are going just for the Joker, you'll be solely disappointed. Not just because he might, you know, his, his performance isn't spot on, but because he's literally not in this film hardly at all. And I've heard that Jared Leto is not impressed because they cut out a hell of a lot of his scenes. And I would tell you now, if there is a Batman vs. Um, Superman Ultimate Edition like thing, for Suicide Squad, if there is a Suicide Squad Ultimate Edition, I'll be buying that, because I would love to see more of the Joker, because I think that was the only thing that was lacking, because when I started getting into him, he kind of just disappeared, and the, the scenes what I did really like, like, there is a scene in the trailers, well, every scene's in the trailers, but there is a, a specific scene in the trailers where they're kind of like falling into a vat, him and Harley, and it was really, really well done that, and probably the best bit of the Joker I've seen in a while. But most of his other scenes just didn't feel eccentric enough for the Joker. And maybe that's just not what he's going for. But I feel like it is kind of what he's going for in a way. And I really did not like that. Um, and now Harley Quinn. The best on-screen interpretation of Harley Quinn to date. Margot Robbie nailed this. Absolutely nailed this. My favourite part about the film by far is is margot robbie as harley quinn she got everything right she had the eccentricity she had the right script she had the right costume she had the right style she had the right voice she had everything going for her and she pulled it off brilliantly i could not praise margot robbie more and the people that were with me that night know i was just constantly going on about how good she was and really made this film for me i want a Harley Quinn and Joker film. I want to explore their relationship more. Their scenes were fantastic. The flashbacks onto how Harley Quinn became Harley Quinn really, really, like, were impressive to me. And I even said, when they, when they did the, the backstory right, and when Deadshot came on screen, and then, like, 
they did the Harley Quinn flashback, I was I was next to my friend Adam, and I just said to him, I went, this film's amazing. I absolutely love this film. Because it nailed things that should have been nailed. And it did that right. It did the backstories right. It did the characters right. And maybe the Joker wasn't done right, but everyone else was nailed. I'm not a big fan of Enchantress as a character in the comics anyway, so they probably did her justice, but I just wasn't a fan of her. So the actual cast and chemistry worked really well. The story was disappointing. Cast was fantastic. Directing by David Ayer wasn't fantastic because I think the tone has changed that many times in filming that it's hard for him to get it right. I think there is an alternate cut which has basically no comedy in it. Not like completely zero comedy, but nowhere near as much comedy as there was. And I think had he had complete creative control, it would have been a very, very different film because there are definitely times when you can tell the tone isn't right. There is moments in which tone is quite clearly supposed to be dark, but he's kind of littered with comedy moments. A bar scene especially shows this, and I think the ending would have had a lot more impact had the film been a lot darker and a lot more serious. So besides a couple of tone issues, which is not really down to David Ayer and more down to um, the company and what they wanted, I think the directing's pretty good. What I will say is the soundtrack for me was fantastic. Again, me and Adam, little conversation throughout the film, we were like, this soundtrack's sick. It worked really, really well. And I think for the tone that they were going for, had they had the dark tone, that would not have worked. But for the comedy tone, the soundtrack worked really, really well. And every song seemed to fit, and there were some very, very clever uses of songs, especially Eminem's Guess Who's Back. That really stood out to me. And the credit songs are just epic. Uh, the after credit sequence, there is an after credit sequence, so stay for that. I won't spoil it, but there is one. I wasn't sure because Batman vs Superman didn't have one. But there is one in this, so just as a heads up. Definitely go and watch Suicide Squad. While the storyline may be a bit disappointing, the characters and cast really made the film for me. And I would probably, if it wasn't, if there wasn't so many other issues, I probably would have given this film four stars just for the cast. But I think there are too many plot issues and a couple of tone issues that just lower it down just that little bit too much. Had this film had a better villain and a better conclusion i may have been more happy with this film but by no means do i think it's as bad as critics are saying they have slaughtered this film as much as they slaughtered batman vs superman and i don't think it's just and i would say watch this film and i think it's going to do fantastic anyway and um i think every dc film is going to do fantastic but it, it entertained me and i was happy to watch this and I will most likely watch this again because I just really liked the cast and what they did with the cast. I am going to give Suicide Squad three and a half stars out of five. Now we're going to move on to my last review for Happy Valley. Come through to my office and you can start at the beginning. I'm Catherine, by the way. I'm 47. I'm divorced. I live with my sister, who's a recovering heroin addict. I have two grown-up children, one dead, one who doesn't speak to me, and a grandson. Talking speed bumps to the that's pretty is the thought of getting out. It's a bit mad, isn't it? A date with your ex-husband. You're getting too old for this, Catherine, love. How would you like to make half a million pounds if you're talking about kidnapping? I've got to ring the police. You left abruptly. Everything all right? Yes. Yeah. Original. Happy Valley is not something I thought I would be reviewing anytime soon. Uh, Happy Valley is a small BBC drama consisting of six episodes. There is two seasons, however, I'm only reviewing the first season at this point. Because I've not seen the second season yet. And uh, it is about Catherine Kaywood, who is a police sergeant in West Yorkshire. And basically, it's about... Not the goings-on, it's about one specific event and someone being kidnapped. Um and in this small village and how that affects the village and what happens to it. It's on Netflix now and is created by someone called Sally Rainwright who uh, also wrote the thing. She's not directed, it's directed by various people. Uh, every episode I think is directed by a different person. But um, it's a very strange little drama that surprised me. I heard a lot of good things about it and as I said I wasn't expecting to review it but when I watched it something really like hit me with it and I thought, you know what, I'm going to put out a small like PSA to watch this because it's a really, really good drama and it's one of those things that you can just watch and, for me, get really, really into. And much alike um, Buried, I'm going to say Buried, 
um, <laughs> from the very beginning of this podcast, I was like shouting at the TV at times because it gets really intense. Now, what I will say is it doesn't have a good start. I think the first two episodes were not slow, but a bit cliche and a bit obvious. And it didn't go in places that I was happy with. But I thought it's six episodes. I'll stick with it. It's, you know, it's not a long thing. And by episode three, I think why people love it started to be more evident to me. Now, as I said, it is about a police sergeant called Catherine who gets kind of involved, not involved, but has to deal with a kidnapping. And different characters played by people like, uh, oh, Siobhan. Finneman and Steve Pemberton and a variety of other people and how they are trying to deal with this kidnapping. Now, story-wise, I'll try and keep spoiler-free, but it gets very, very brutal and intense. And from, like, the very, like, light-hearted tone and cliché tone of episodes 1 and 2, episodes 3, 4, 5 and 6 become very, very brutal very very fast this is one of those things that when someone gets hit by a car they will not just like show and get hit by a car and go i mean it will show everything i mean there is someone get someone does get hit by a car i mean slight spoiler but i mean it's kind of trying to just be the only way i can spoil i won't spoil who it is obviously um but it's the only way i can kind of explain what i'm talking about and um it shows everything the bloody mess and disgustingness that it leaves behind and it's really really hard to watch and as someone that loves horror films and is very desensitized to violence this like i was i struggled to like look at the tv at times when i was watching this and i think that is testament to the realism of this and everyone felt real in it so I kind of connected to the characters. And while, as I said, it started off being a bit cliche, by, like, episodes three and four, the realism really stood out to me. And I appreciated it the most about this series. And it does not... It's not afraid to... Uh, it's not afraid to, to, to be honest and to be brutal with what it's showing. The actual plot actually goes in places that I liked. And there is a few twists and turns. And it does do things faster than I was expecting. And I liked that. It didn't spend the entire season trying to sort out this kidnapping. It focused on the aftermath. It kind of did a room thing. If you haven't seen Room, I won't spoil it. Uh, another film that you should really watch. Um, but it changed complete tone halfway through the season. And this did a similar thing. And I would say for classing episodes 1 and 2 as Act 1, 3 and 4 as Act 2, and 5 and 6 as Act 3, and you kind of play it as like a, a big 6 hour long film, Acts 2 and 3 just they just got better and better and by as, as as like a poor start it was definitely something that i'm really glad i stuck with now the actual directing and like the way it's shot is pretty good but it's nothing special for a bbc drama but i think what i really liked was how the characters felt relatable the story felt realistic and the brutality was was fantastic the actual like ending to this series worked really well as well it was something that i did not think i would like as much as i did and i'm really really glad that i watched it now i would have to say episode three stands out to me as probably one of the best but then the very last episode felt real and felt like it went in somewhere that it needed to go it doesn't ever do stupid things either i think you know there's not times when people are getting away with things and you know doing really ridiculous things like, if someone does something stupid, they get found out. And it's in that way, it's like a realistic crime drama. This isn't something you're watching for a big mystery. This is something you're watching because you're attached to the characters, and you you like them, and you want them to be happy. For me, Happy Valley is probably one of the better dramas I've watched in a long time. And as someone who tends not to watch, like, BBC crime dramas anymore, having this, and it reminds me of something like Broadchurch, having this on TV was really really good and to have something be as realistic as this and to make me genuinely struggle to watch this i think says a lot for me and it, it was something that really really piqued my interest and i was really glad that i watched it and i would seriously recommend this to anyone who watches this who 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 has netflix even sorry and 
watch it. Happy Valley is an interesting six-episode series, and I've recommended it to a few people now, and a lot of my friends have already watched it and told me to watch it, and now I finally have, I can see why. I'm interested to see where season two goes, but as a season one on its own, it could quite easily just be its own series, um, like Broadchurch was. It could have just ended at season one and I'd have been very happy. Uh, it was fantastic. I'm going to give Happy Valley four and a half stars out of five. And so there we have it. Another podcast has come to an end. This has been my sixth week in media and I hope you've really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my very passionate um, first review, which I like, as I said, I've listened to this back now and it is, you know, I'm a bit passionate about this film. And I would really recommend... I'm pretty much going to recommend every film here. Even though I gave Batman vs Superman 3 stars, I, I, I still recommend it quite a lot. And these are all films that I would definitely say watch. I'd definitely say watch um, Buried more than anything else here. But everything's pretty good. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Next week, I have uh, a big... You know, there's a lot of new releases coming out next week. We have Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Nerve, The Shallows and Pete's Dragon, all coming out next week. Uh, so I'll be reviewing all of those, and possibly anything else I see. Uh, as I said, trailer spotlighting will be coming soon, but not this week. I probably should have done it this week on hindsight, but I have had some quite long reviews already. Uh, I'm also working on a Indiana Jones special podcast, as I have only ever seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I really want to watch the first three. So, in the near future, probably in about two weeks' time, uh, I will be putting out a special Indiana Jones podcast in which I review all four Indiana Jones and give my opinions on all four of them. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. If you haven't already, check out me on iTunes. Uh, you're on YouTube right now, I hope. Um, and enjoy. I've also got the Bourne podcast out and last week's. Please check them out. Please tell me if you like any of these. I've been Dawson. Thank you for listening. Out. Out.